0: Hey, moms, I'm so thankful you've joined me today. This is the Dorenda Wilson podcast, and I'm Dorenda, wife to one, mom to eight, nana to nine, and 28 year veteran homeschooling mom. I'm also the author of three books The Unhurried Homeschooler, a simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling, Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart, which is a devotional that I wrote for moms, and The Four Hour School Day How You and Your Kids can thrive in the homeschool life. You actually can receive a free digital download of my devotional that accompanies the four-hour school day. Um, It is called Encouraging a Homeschool Heart. And you can get that free digital download by subscribing to my monthly newsletter. I will include a link in the show notes. You can find the three books on Amazon. You can find them at my website, DorendaWilson.com. And you can find The 4-Hour School Day at any of your favorite booksellers, in addition to the places that I just mentioned. mentioned. <laughs> Well, I'm going to be speaking at more places in 2023. I have done three events so far, and I've got more on the docket. I'll leave a link in the show notes so that you can see where I'm going to be, and hopefully we will be able to connect there. Also, I always have to share the math resource that I love sharing and talking about. It's CTC Math. Have you tried it yet? Here is a testimonial from another happy homeschool mom. Amber said, I'm absolutely thrilled with CTC math. It's a rare find that I've used with my children for more than five years now. I have six children using CTC math and each child has found it easy to navigate and very applicable. I love seeing them enjoy this math program and grow in their mathematical journey. Thank you so much for all that you're doing in providing quality math lessons for my children. If you're looking for a great, online math program moms, please visit ctcmath.com. That's ctcmath.com. I will leave a link in the show notes to that as well to make it easy for you to get to. All right, today I'm going to be talking about some of the reasons that motherhood can be hard. You know, maybe you've caught on to this underlying message that seems to permeate social media and our culture. It's this, motherhood is too hard, you can't handle it, you won't make the right decisions anyway, so don't even try. You know, it's a message of hopelessness designed to discourage us so that we'll simply give up. We have to understand that ultimately the enemy hopes that we will stop seeking the Lord and making the hard and sometimes unpopular decisions that need to be made in order to raise godly children. So again, today I want to talk about some of the reasons I am not going to be covering the gamut. This is not an exhaustive episode on all the things that can make motherhood hard because I know everybody's situation is different. But the message that I really want you to pick up on through all of this is many times it comes back to some very basic Things And that's what I have learned over my 32 years of parenting. I have to go back to asking myself the primary questions first before blaming the hardness on my circumstances or um, whatever. So um, again, we're going to talk about some of the reasons that it, motherhood can be hard because we, we all agree that it can be hard. However, I think right here is where we need to admit that as believers, we actually need to divert from the culture's thinking, um, and we do that by drilling down on why it can be hard, and we use God's Word to find the answers. I refuse to let the world and the culture leave me in a hopeless place, especially when it comes to motherhood, you guys. so. Let's dive in, and let's just start with the very basic, basic, basic things that can make motherhood hard, and that I find for myself have probably made it hard more than anything else. You know sometimes we have an un we have an unbiblical worldview, and we don't even realize it um we and what this view is 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 just thinking and having this idea that we are essentially good. At our very core, we're a good person. So I don't understand why this is all so hard or why I'm reacting this way. And my point is that sometimes motherhood is hard because of sin. <laughs> it's hard because of our sin. So let's just start there, okay? The scripture says in Jeremiah 17:9 that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And I don't know why that was there twice. Maybe we needed to hear it twice. <laughs> And um, verse ten says, "I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind, and to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds." So God is ultimately the judge on what is sinful and what is not. And one thing that He's telling us is that you know we are our hearts are deceitful. You know the culture tells us, "Oh, follow your heart, listen to your heart." Um, don't do that. Don't do that because if we if we are If we're going to look at things from a biblical perspective, the Bible tells us that our hearts are deceitful and we're born with a sinful heart. Our tendency is toward sin. So no, we do not want to trust our hearts. Um, There's a scripture in, um, I believe it's in Romans 3, verses 10 through 12. It says, as it is written, because it's in other places in scripture as well, there is no one righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands. There's no one who seeks God all have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. So none of us is perfect. None of us is like God. We all deal with and confront sin and a deceitful heart every single day. I heard someone say the other day, and it was such a good reminder, from the moment my eyes open in the morning, my heart is deceiving me. And this is Really a great practice is just to stop right away in the morning and say, Lord, I understand that my heart is deceitful. Would you help me, my heart, to align with you what is true about your word? Help me to um, submit and yield to you and what your word has to say about sin. Help me to walk in your ways. Help me to walk in obedience and help me to be honest with myself. So one of the things that makes motherhood, can make motherhood hard, is our own sin. And essentially, if you want to kind of know what sin is, it's being out of fellowship with God. It can also be uh, being out of fellowship with our kids um, and with our husbands, you know. So if we've yelled at our kids or we have treated our kids poorly in a way that would not please God— we need to confess that both to our children and to the Lord, whether we feel like it or not, because God's word doesn't say you should confess and make things right if you feel like it. It says you should confess and make things right, period. And so we need to set the example to our kids when it comes to that. And so we're going to make things right with them. We're going to make things right with the Lord. And we're going to we're going to name that sin. Uh, sounds like a game show, doesn't it? Because here's the thing. Um... We want to make sure that we are keeping sin out of our home, whether it's ours or someone else's. Um, This is a protection for us. It is a protection for our homes because when we allow sin to be there, we also allow a foothold that the enemy can get a hold of and really wreak havoc in our homes. And so I know that I didn't really grow up or even through most of my adult years thinking much about confession. But I've been pondering it a lot lately and asking some questions of one of our teaching elders. And I was reminded recently because I tend to be morbidly introspective. So I'll be looking for something when I'm, you know, going before the Lord daily and confessing my sins. But what he pointed out to me, what the pastor pointed out to me was this, like, where to um, ask the Lord to reveal our hearts to us. That's all we need to do. And we let Him do the searching. We let Him do the revealing. And if He brings something to us, we confess it. It's gone. It's it's removed as far as the east is from the west. We know that overall, we stand righteous before God, right? We know that if we die and we haven't confessed to sin, we are still going to be with the Lord. Um, the point is, I think the point of confession is to, one, it's to humble ourselves, Secondly, it's to give an opportunity for the Lord to address anything. Um, it's, It's staying humble before Him. It's yielding to Him. But the other thing that I thought was really beautiful about confession is as we confess our deficiency, we are thanking God for His sufficiency which covers the very sin that we're confessing. So it's actually, when we confess our sins, we are also confessing our victory simultaneously. As we confess our sins, we are also confessing um, that Jesus is Lord. And all of these things cause the enemy to flee. So confession is a wonderful, wonderful thing. So we wanna make things right with our kids, our husbands, um, with the Lord. Um, Sometimes motherhood is hard because our kids are sinning, right? Now, That's not necessarily on us unless we have provoked them to it, but we do want to hold them accountable to it. And so again, we're going to point it out. We're going to name it. um, We're going to require that they apologize to each other, whether they feel like it or not, or to us, if they've been disrespectful. This is just kind of a basic thing that's going to happen every day, pretty much, in our homes. And so we need to be paying attention to that. And And it's one of the very, very basic, very common things that can make motherhood hard. We have to remember that our enemies, um, God's Word tells us that our basic three enemies are the devil, the world, and the flesh. And so I'm going to go through each of those because I think it's really important for us to just sort of increase our awareness of the battle that we're in. Um, This passage—oh, okay, I've got the verse numbers, but not the (laughs) chapter— or the name of the book. So I'll I'll have to link that in the show notes. But basically, it says, humble yourselves. Oh, it's Romans. That's right. It's Romans. Hebrews, Hebrews, Hebrews 12. That's it. Got it. Six through 10. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Okay, this might not be the right one. This is the right passage, but I don't think it's the right address. Again, I will leave a link. Sorry about that, you guys. All right, so humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. You, are, In other words, you're not alone. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Now, in this passage, I am sure that they are, um, this message is to a church that's being persecuted. But it's a great—there's some great principles here for us as we deal with daily afflictions, trials, and hardships, okay? We're casting our anxieties on Him because we know He cares for us. We're being sober-minded and watchful. We're not being um, apathetic about sin in our homes. Um, Verse 9, you know, it's talking—it's describing how the enemy is is prowling around. Like, He's not— Inert. He's not complacent. He's not not trying to have an influence in our homes, and we are to resist him to be firm in our faith, knowing um, that other people are also dealing with these things. We aren't the first people to deal, the first moms to deal with sin in our homes. Right? Every single mom on the planet forever has dealt with that, okay? So we're not alone, so we don't need to feel sorry for ourselves, fall into that, you know, uh, mommy martyrdom. But understand, this is about understanding what's really going on, moms, in our homes and helping ourselves, helping equip ourselves to help maybe help motherhood not be quite so hard um, when it comes to, you know, we use these tools to help with that. And understand also, I love this, and after you've suffered for a while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. What we see is God's character there. As we hold firm, as we persevere, as we are obedient, God rewards that disobedience, that obedience, okay? So we have to understand that we are in a battle every single day. There's a target on our back that's okay because we serve the God of the universe and we understand what's happening, right? The enemy's roaring around like a lion. And one of the things that he really loves to do, I explained this to our daughter the other day when she was just kind of struggling with some stuff and she knew it was the enemy, but it just felt so overwhelming. And this is what happens to us as moms too, right? We can feel it some days. Like it feels like the enemy is roaring, you know, and he's prowling around my home and this feels overwhelming and I likened it to the uh, the Wizard of Oz. Do you remember when Dorothy figured out who the Great Oz really was? He was this tiny little wimpy man behind a curtain. And you know, the scriptures say that when everything is all over, when everything's said and done, at the end of time, um, we're going to look at the enemy and say, "That's it. That's all you are." he wreaks a lot of havoc. He makes a lot of noise. He tries to make himself sound and look and seem way bigger than he is and way more powerful than he is, but he's really like the great Oz. (laughs) And so we can understand in in terms of um, what he looks like compared to God's power I think that's really important to keep in perspective to help us not be afraid, not be intimidated, but to battle daily and faithfully knowing that we are the victor because Christ is the victor and Christ, we are we are in Christ's army and he is our commanding officer. So victory is sure, but understand that the enemy will use anything to distract us, divert our attention from our mission, these children, this house, this marriage, The this is our mission, moms. He will tempt our children to sin. He will tempt us to sin. He will, he will use our past, our baggage, our insecurities to make us feel inadequate, um, to really make us feel like God isn't enough for our particular situation, which is a complete and total lie. We are not victims. We are victors. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. God is redeeming us and sanctifying us even through our past, our baggage, and our insecurities because that is the powerfully redeeming God that we serve. What does he say? That he will work all things out for the good of them who love him and who are called according to his purposes. So we walk in his purposes, we walk in obedience to him, and we let him redeem the past, the baggage, and the insecurities. Okay, the second enemy, the world. Boy, there's a lot we could talk about here, too. But our preconceived notions of what motherhood or homeschooling should look like is probably a big one. Pressure from the culture or social media, maybe even unrecognized, you know. It is so easy to scroll in one minute and see three or four things that tell us that everyone else is doing a much better job as a mom or as a homeschooling mom. And so we need to be super, super careful that we are processing those things biblically, not allowing ourselves to become captive to comparisons, to distractions. But um, we can get these have these preconceived notions of what motherhood or homeschooling should look like. We'd have pressure from the culture or social media. We can have pressure uh, from unbelievers. We can have pressure from believers who are actually worldly in their thinking, and there are a lot of them. Um, This can include family members and friends we dearly love, love, and even people we really respect in many ways. So we really, really need to use discernment. I remember um when all the kids were home and we were earlier on in our homeschooling journey and I had decided I was going to take this more simple unhurried approach to homeschooling and it was working i and the reason i knew it was working was not because i could see down the road how wonderful this was all going to work out but it was more like i saw my kids were full of life they were Full of energy. They were wanting to learn. They were curious. They seemed to love both um, most of the directed learning, but also they just were thriving in the self directed learning. There was peace and, and there was life, I felt like being breathed into our household. But I remember thinking if someone were looking in on what I was doing exactly as a homeschooling mom, they would have said I sucked. They would have said, she is not doing nearly enough. These kids are not going to be okay. They're going to all flunk out. They're going to, this is going to end horribly. That is what, how I was doing things would likely have looked to someone who was looking at through the lens of what the world would say was important when it came to homeschooling our kids. And I remember that kind of really bothering me. So I thought, okay, on the one hand, I see the peace, I see the life, I feel like we're thriving. But on the other hand, I see this. So I brought it to the Lord, and he reminded me of the loaves and the fishes. Do you remember that story? The disciples, um, Jesus told the disciples, there's thousands of people sitting there. They're all getting hungry. (laughs) We know how that feels, right? (laughs) They're all getting hungry, and Jesus looks at the disciples, and he said, feed them right he's asking them to do something impossible like it was literally impossible right and they said we can't do that we don't have the resources anybody ever said that to god <laughs> and he said to them bring me what you have he didn't ask for what they didn't have he asked for what they had and so they brought him everything that they had and he prayed over it and he multiplied it and he made it more than enough And that is what God is going to do for us as we walk in obedience to him, as we do what he has called us to do, what looks like little, what feels sometimes like not enough. He multiplies it and makes it enough. And I can tell you now I'm on the other side. He was absolutely faithful and true to what he said then. And he will be true um, in that way for you as well. If we look back in the book of Nehemiah, we read about how God's people were rebuilding the wall surrounding Jerusalem, but they were in direct opposition to what many of the people around them thought was a good idea or what many of the people around them wanted. They didn't want God's people to succeed. They just didn't. In the middle of the story, God's people began to be jeered at and despised and falsely accused of rebelling against the king. So in other words, their work was a threat to the powers that be— and that was being used to try to intimidate them. Isn't that interesting? Sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? But Nehemiah responded by saying this, the God of heaven will make us prosper and we, his servants, will arise and build. But you have no portion or right or claim in Jerusalem. I love that. He is basically proclaiming what is true over the threats. And Responding to those threats with the truth, and the truth was that God had his hand on his people, and he would strengthen them to do what he had called them to do. The other thing I found interesting about this was um, when he said, but you have no portion or right or claim in Jerusalem. Great principle here. We have to remember that those who threaten and try to intimidate us have no claim or right over us as families. They have no jurisdiction because we and our families belong to Christ. And I just think that's such an important little, it's a little side note, but it's an important truth to keep in mind as we face opposition. All right, the third enemy, the flesh. Boy, this is a biggie. Again, I'm not going to be doing an expansive, exhaustive, coverage of what that can look like. But you know as moms what it looks like for you. For me, a lot of times it had to do with hormones, sleep deprivation, not taking in enough nutrient-dense food or eating on a regular basis, not drinking enough good water, not getting enough moderate sustainable exercise, Um, Not spending time with the Lord. And again, this doesn't need to be copious amounts of time, just regular time in the Word. It can be just the smallest amount of time, but God can take that and multiply it. He understands the season that we are in. And of course, if we can dive in, wonderful. Wonderful. But what we have to understand is when we are dealing with the flesh, it a lot of times requires, well, with any of these enemies, but specifically the flesh requires a massive amount of self-discipline. One thing that we want to note here is that in any of these temptations, whether they come from the devil, the world, or the flesh, 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, "...no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man." God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So sometimes providing a way of escape may be going to bed early or staying off our phones because it's causing us to... Be impatient with our kids. Um, it's using up energy and mental energy that we need and emotional energy that we need to have with our children. Again, this has to do with self-control. So we either way, we need whether it's um, you know, something that's a regular problem for us, that we find ourselves tempted in this area frequently and on a consistent basis, or whether it's a one-time thing. We really just, the main thing is that we have to ask God for wisdom, ask him for a way out, because he said right there in the scripture that he would give it to us. But again, if it's a continual temptation, um, ask him for a way out for that as well. Maybe we need to start new habits, new practices that are going to help keep us from um, allowing the flesh to become so uh, over— like. Overwhelming us. Okay. So we need to be, we understand that our flesh needs to be yielded to the Lord no matter what is going on, even if it's hormones and sleep deprivation. God understands all of that. And there is a way to yield to it. It may mean that we need to say no to some things that we've said yes to before or say no to things that seem good. Maybe we need to dial back our schedule. Maybe we need to have more margin in our day. There's a million different possibilities here. But the point is that God doesn't want us to sin. He knows that's not good for us. So he has provided a way out for every temptation. And so he's going to give us wisdom and clarity because that's what he wants for us as well. He wants us to be able to resist it. So he's not going to not equip us as we ask for it, but we have to be willing to do what he is calling us to do. And the other thing I want to point out is in the context that that verse is where it talks about temptation, part of the context of this verse actually had to do with grumbling and complaining, which I think is something we can easily be guilty of as moms. One of the things that I tried to make a habit early on, and this wasn't because I was so smart or so wonderful. It was really a grace from God that he even pointed it out or illuminated it, but I really, really tried not to say anything negative, not to be, um, what's the word, not to have a complaining spirit, a grumbling and complaining spirit, because that never, ever, 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 ever ends well. Have you noticed that? And yet it's like something we were so tempted to do and, and to do it so quickly, even talking to my husband negatively about our life or about the circumstance or about my children in front of him. And I have done that before. And it just felt so yucky and so gross. That doesn't mean I didn't do it again at some point, but it was a, it was a reminder. Don't go there. Do not complain. I remember not trying really hard not to say anything negative about motherhood either. I wasn't trying to be a Pollyanna. I just knew that it didn't ever land well. It wasn't helpful to the person who was listening. Often if someone was listening and they knew I had all these kids, they would just look at me and you could tell they were thinking, well, you put yourself in this position. This is your own fault. And it would look poor, reflect poorly on this beautiful family that God had given me, this fruitfulness that he had given us. And so I really tried to commit to speak positively about motherhood. And that's why sometimes, honestly, it just really bugs me how many negative videos, reels, and and some of them are true. They are really funny and they're relatable. But I think we need to be careful how much negativity, how much complaining about motherhood that we participate in, either through scrolling and watching or by letting ourselves do it. So that's just kind of a little cautionary flag as an older mom that I am throwing out there to you. Um, okay, so another reason that motherhood can be hard, besides the reasons that I've already mentioned, and this is a big one, and it's it's sanctification. Um, and I believe... That motherhood is one of the most powerful ways that God uses to sanctify us, to make us more like Him. Sanctification means set apart for special use or purpose, to be made holy or sacred. So, moms, if God is sanctifying us through motherhood, we need to see ourselves not as all the other moms in the world, but to see ourselves as separate, as holy, as set apart for a special use or purpose, not just another mother out there, right? We serve the God of the universe and he has set us apart. I mean, just the fact that he says that no temptation has seized us except what is common to man and for every temptation that he'll give us a way out, the world doesn't have that. Do you see how set apart we are, how special we are? And we are also set apart for special use or purpose in raising the specific children we have. And so God is using all of that to make us holy, to make us sacred, to make us more like him. And it's through motherhood that he reveals the most deeply rooted sins and struggles. I mean, we've all said this I used to be such a nice person. I used to be such a patient person. Well, actually, no. We were the same person then. We just didn't know. We didn't, those things weren't revealed to us. And motherhood does that. And it's not f- always fun. But I'm telling you, there is something so incredibly amazing about working through that with the Lord as we journey through motherhood. And he allows those things to be revealed, and he does so purely out of love for us because he knows what is best for us. You know, just like we know better than our children what is best for them, he disciplines us for our good. And when I say discipline, that's not punitive. I'm not saying, oh, you're having a struggle in motherhood because you did something wrong. Now, that can happen, and that's a legitimate question to ask ourselves. Did I get myself in this mess or not? Um, But there are some things that just are there because they're part of the journey, and they don't feel good and they feel, ugh, yuck, you know. But they are a form of discipline, and when I talk use that word, I'm using the word training. It's not a punitive word. it's a it's, it's, an, it's a training scenario. So for instance, you would never send someone to war, you would never send a missionary out onto the mission field without very intensive training, right? A, a, a soldier goes into war, knowing how to use his gun, knowing... Um, having knowledge of, you know, the strategies of war and how how to engage in it and all of that. And so that's what I'm talking about when I talk about discipline. And that's, I believe, what God is talking about in Hebrews 12, where he says, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons, for what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you're left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Besides this, we've had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of our spirits and live? For they disciplined us, meaning our earthly fathers, for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But God disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Do you hear that? So God is using motherhood to make us more like him, which also prepares us for difficulty down the road and to be able to walk alongside others who will walk through similar trials and afflictions. You're not walking through these things for no reason. It's not even just about us. God is going to use these things in our lives to help us encourage someone else, so he uses motherhood to help us also understand his role as a father in our own lives. Psalm one hundred three, verses thirteen and fourteen, says, "As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear Him. For He knows our frame, and He remembers that we are dust." Right? I've always like leaned into that when I'm feeling specific, very um, especially weak. Because knowing that He knows our frame, knowing that He knows my limitations, helps me honor those human limitations as well. Get more sleep if I need it. Take a rest if I need it, because I tend to be driven. Now, I know everybody listening maybe not may not be that type A personality. Maybe you struggle with laziness, right? Well, then that has to be yielded to the Lord as well. But God understands our frame, and He, and he remembers that we are dust, so we can trust Him to lead us through it also to be showing us what a father, a true father or a true parent um, should really be in terms of reflecting who God is. So um, it's easier to understand God the Father when we have children because we we can relate to the deep love and care that we have for our children. Only his love for us is perfect, and his love is for us is far greater and deeper and broader than our love for our children. And so those are also things that God teaches us through motherhood. So it is not a bad thing to be reminded that He is God and we are not. He is God, so we don't have to be. That means we can lay our head down and rest at night and know that He's taking care of things. Moms, I believe that God is calling parents back home to protect and build their families in ways like this because it is kingdom work. You know, I think one thing we need to remember as we're facing these struggles is that we're not just raising our children. We are also raising our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. We have to think and invest multi-generationally. Having a multi generational mindset actually used to be a normal part of parents' thinking, but it's not the case anymore. Um, most parents are not thinking at all about their grandchildren or their great grandchildren, but a multi generational mindset is a biblical mindset. So we're doing this not just for our own sanctification, but we're also modeling to our children. What true faith looks like? What does it look like to walk with God? Deuteronomy 4, 8, and 9 talks about this multi-generational perspective. And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws I am setting before you today? Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. Psalm 128, verses 5 and 6 says, May the Lord continually bless you from Zion. May you see Jerusalem prosper as long as you live. May you live to enjoy your grandchildren. And Genesis 45:10, you shall dwell in the land of Goshen, and you shall be near me, you and your children, and your children's children, and your flocks and your herds and all that you have. So again, remember, we are not just influencing our children, but our grandchildren and generations to come, along with their spouses, because each of our children will bring into their own families what we have taught them. So it's essential that we remain faithful to what God has called us to, nothing more and nothing less. We cannot allow ourselves to be distracted from this great work that God has put in front of us, even when it's hard. Charles Spurgeon said this, those who think that a woman detained at home by her little family is doing nothing, think the reverse of what is true. Scarcely can the godly mother quit her home for a place of worship But dream not that she is lost to the work of the church. Far from it, she is doing the best possible service for her Lord. Mothers, the godly training of your offspring is your first and most pressing duty. So even when it's hard, moms, we continue to persevere and we do it in the strength of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that we, even though we can all agree that motherhood can be difficult— Thank you that there are very specific things that we can look at um, and tools that we can use, biblical principles that we can walk out that help motherhood not be so hard. Lord, may we be found faithful to address any sin in our home, to recognize uh, temptations by the devil, the world, and the flesh, Lord. And thank you that for all of those temptations, you have said that you have made a way out. And so we thank you and praise you for your faithfulness. We thank you that you are the one who equips us. You are the one who goes before us and prepares the way. I pray a blessing over every mom listening. I ask that you would strengthen her hands for the good work in front of her. In Jesus' name, amen. Before you leave, I want to share um, one more resource with you. Are you concerned that your child's current education won't give them the skills necessary to succeed in any area of life, in every area of life? Consider homeschooling with Classical Conversations. By applying the Classical Christian Model of Education, the Classical Conversations curriculum encourages students to learn how to learn and how to think for themselves so they can adapt to every challenge that life throws at them. Join the over 50,000 families in 50 countries who have chosen to educate their children with Classical Conversations and visit classicalconversations.com slash Dorinda. That's classicalconversations.com slash Dorinda. And I will leave a link in the show notes. Have a wonderful day.